Welcome to the Functional Tennis Podcast. I'm your host, Fabio Molle, and every week I bring you insights and lessons from players, coaches, parents, and experts who are ingrained in the world of high-level tennis. This is our last episode of 2023, and it's a great way to end it with a more in-depth chat with the recent retired and former ATP number 32, Pablo Andujar. It was great to spend time with Pablo at the Technifiber Junior Training Camp, both on the court and off it, and I learned so much. We even teamed up to win a mini paddle tournament. I know I shouldn't be mentioning paddle on here. Sorry. <laughs> so today I talked to Pablo about his career, being persistent through injury, showing up every day, believing, playing the big tree, family and retirement, the importance of the base fundamentals of the Spanish training system. And there's plenty of other golden nuggets in there. If you missed last week's unplanned episode with Pablo and former ATP number 41, Kenneth Carlson, and you work with junior tennis players or your tennis coach or a tennis parent, it's required listens for functional tennis fans. Before we kick things off with Pablo, I'd just like to say a few things. A big thanks to you, the listener, for your support. It means so much. Thank you for all the listens, the shares, the mentions, and for those who I met in real life and said hello. It's a pleasure. Hope to meet many more of you in 2024. The podcast started way back in 2019 when I had and still do have great access to fantastic people in the tennis world through the Functional Tennis Instagram page. I wanted to use that access to share stories, advice, and tips from these great people to you, and I'll be continuing to do this. Finally, it's very important to thank our podcast sponsors, ASICS, for the support in 2023. They will be sponsoring the podcast in 2024, which is amazing. Thank you very much, ASICS. I'll also be reporting back in early 2024 about the new Solution Speed FF3. I still haven't tried them, and I hope a pair shows up under the Christmas tree. Okay, here's Pablo. Pablo, welcome to the Functional Tennis Podcast. How are you? I'm very well, thank you. And and thanks for having me, Fabio. I know, it's an absolute pleasure. Uh, First of all, it was great to meet you last week. You're so nice and open. I mentioned in last week's podcast episode where I say that yourself and Kenneth were just so open. People ask you questions. That The feedback from that episode has been amazing and parents love it. And just the things you say that kids have to think about is, is really important. And it was great for those five kids to, to hear you say it in person. And you've obviously been there. You've ticked the boxes. You've gone through the system. You know what it's like. So it doesn't get any more realer than that. So yeah, thanks for that. Oh, I mean, yeah, there's nothing to hide, right? I just shared my experience. I think it's something that um, from a parent's perspective, it's something good as well as the kids, of course. And, and, and you know, I've been around for so long. I've seen all kinds of things in tennis. So just, you know, to, to share my experience, it's something nice. And if it can help a little percentage to someone, I'm, I'm happy. No, it, it definitely will. And it's it's great. Like sometimes we speak to players during their career. I think they're less likely to give this information during a career. I think players can open up a bit more afterwards. You know, you maybe talk about opponents a bit more, which we're going to hear about from you. But first of all, you recently retired. Uh, you organized your own challenger tournament to retire, uh, Messen. But uh, so how's life been since you retired? You know, um, I've I've been retired, let's say, the last six months. But the truth is that I wanted to 
to retire officially here in Valencia with all my family, my friends. So that's why I started practicing a little bit more once again. Um, but, you know, these six months, it helped me a lot to, to, to understand life after tennis. I've been working and studying a lot, taking uh, some lessons to, to, you know, to know all different things uh, related to tennis, but not on the court. Um, and yes, it's, it's something that I, I want to keep. I want to be involved now uh, a support representative from the players uh, part is something in the ATP, it's something uh, where I work a lot and, and, and with a huge responsibility, but it is an honor as well to, you know, to represent the players and to, to help them to, to, to get what they deserve. Um, and then with my Italian event, as, as you mentioned, I think it's something really special for me here at home, try to build something, uh, bigger and bigger and, and make something really nice, uh, to, you know, to, to, to make, because Valencia is a tennis, uh, center, right? It's, it's a tennis city. We have had so many great champions. So to build something around Valencia with tennis, I hope it will become a, a huge success. Is Valencia always windy? <laughs> I think it was more the, the side where we were. Um, I mean, it, 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 it can be, it can be windy. You know, we're, we're really close to the sea, but I think it was more the time where we were practicing uh, that that's where the wind was coming, but no, no, I remember, I remember in Auckland, for example, it's much windy. Yeah. We do a video out there. It's an Instagram account. We, we asked you how to handle the wind. You have some good advice there so people can check that out. But I didn't think it was tough for the little uh, 11 and 12 year olds, Philip and Damien, who the ball was just kicking up off the clay. The wind was taking it. They're hitting backhands up at the moon. Like it is, it's really tough. Do you think? Learning to play in those environments is really good for juniors. Tennis players have to adapt always. So you have to adapt because every day is a different day, right? Different um, conditions, different type of player that you're, you're playing against. So you have to adapt yourself. You can be a little bit more angry or happier or a little bit more tired. So we have to adapt, right? Uh, so that's something that you have to work on. And when you have those kind of days, it's not, okay, well, we don't practice or we go indoors. Well, here in Valencia, we don't have that option because we don't have indoor court. So yes, in a way, I think this mental toughness that Spanish players usually have, it comes sometimes from, from that part, right? From, from, from the very beginning, to adapt to the conditions that you have. And, and that makes you tougher and stronger. I'm, uh, I'm sure it's pretty obvious, but the best players are the ones who can adapt the best. A hundred percent. A hundred percent. The best players are the ones that adapt the best and that accept the conditions the best. Right? Even sometimes you can adapt, but you're angry, you're mad, and, and then you don't, you don't find your you're hundred percent and, and they accept the conditions 
this is the place, this is the court, this is the conditions, this is, I don't know, the way uh, I'm feeling today. I just have to give my 100% to try to, to succeed. And that's uh, where the top players are the best. So, so that's two things. Now, let's say they can adapt the best, they accept it. And number two is they're the most hungry. The hungrier the player, if you combine those two things, could you split the rankings up into how hungry somebody is? The hungrier they are, the better they're going to be. Like, how much hungrier was Nadal, a Djokovic, a Federer to like a top 50 player? To you, let's compare you and them. I'm not sure if we can, but were they just a step up in hunger? Fabio, I'm, 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 I'm sure, yes. I mean, you're right. It is hunger, but it is belief, right? They believed they were better than the other one. And maybe that's a problem of the not, not as good players, not the best players, that they don't believe, right, as much. So when you have someone else that you think and you believe he's better, it's not a, a hunger thing. You can be hungry, okay. but if you don't actually believe, you don't believe, you won't make it. You won't beat him. And that's where the top guys are the best. So they are hungry, yes, but they believe they are the best. And that's a huge change. To, to achieve that is a very difficult one. And how, how could, two questions, how could you have believed you were better than the rest? And how can you instill that in a junior player without being cocky? You know, there's a, there's a certain line there. You can believe you're the best player, but you're not like... You know, you're trying to get it right. I think I think this is coming from the very inside of the person because you you see lots of players that like they think or they walk in, they look to they look at you like, okay, I'm the best. But where you really need to need to show you're the best is on the court, right? So that's where Rafa, let's say, he's very humble. But when he gets to the court, or Federer, or even Novak, they when they get to the court, they show on the court they are the best. So I I think yes, there is a a, a very there's a line there, but I believe it, it is very 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 important to always try to improve and try to when, when you get to the court try to improve your game, try to grow your game, right? And little by little, you are going to that that. While you grow your game and improve, that is going to give you self-confidence, right? And that, that's when you are going to play someone else and you're going to tell, to tell yourself, okay, no matter how, but I'm going to win this, this match because I'm better than him. And that, it has happened to me with lower ranked players than, uh, with, uh, with uh, lower ranked players than me. And it probably happens with, Novak or with Carlos or with Rafa, with the other guys, right? With all the rest of guys. They're playing a guy that is 12 in the world, an amazing player, but they believe they are better. So I think it's, it, it's, you have to go to, you know, to, to, to work hard and try to improve your game. And, you know, sometimes there are limits. I mean, I don't think I could have been number one in the world. I really don't think. It's not a hunger thing. It's not that I practiced. Yeah. I, I, I really don't think I was not, not the best and, and accept, you have to accept that, right? 
when did you realize that you couldn't be number one in the world? Surely as a kid, we all have dreams, you know, I'm going to be the best in the world. But was there a day where you realized I'm going to be good, but I just won't be number one? I think I, I, you assume it on the way, right? When you're, yeah. the, it's when you're playing week by week and you're losing, right? You're winning matches, but you're losing. And by losing and accepting that this is so difficult, so difficult and to to try to be always stable and to try not to you know and and, and you see a guy that you didn't know and, and he's playing amazing doing great results and and then two weeks later you see another one and so everyone wants to achieve the same goal and it is really difficult and you know uh, I don't know the percentage of little guys that are Starting playing in a in a tennis school to get to the top hundred, like to achieve that, a lot difficult. I don't know the percentage, but I assume it's going to be a zero point whatever. Um, I think I think it it it, it has been during my career that you know that yes, you have some limits. So, looking back at your career. Are, are you happy with the results you achieved, the way it ended up, your ranking, let's say, the tournaments you won? Are, are you, did you hang up your boots and say, yeah, yeah, I did a really good job? You know, I, I know I could have been better, but all the decisions that I took, it was always to try to improve my game and to try to be a better player. So, yes, probably I made mistakes. I'm not probably, no, I'm sure I made mistakes. Uh, during my career, but they were mistakes that 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 I that I you know I, I I was trying something to improve. So I I'm proud about my career. I think I I made what I did the best. Right, I gave everything that I that I could. And sometimes you succeed, sometimes you don't. But I'm pretty happy about about my career. That, that, that's good to know. And just speaking, you mentioned juniors there. Speaking of the juniors last week in Valencia, there was a mixture of, uh, they were 11 to 16. How, how good were those juniors? Like you're the, you're the guy, the professional player here, who's been around a lot of players. But just from, like we share some videos on Instagram, people think they're great and other people, you know, they say something, but, how good do you think they are? Well, listen, you ha- I think you have to divide, right? It's not the you you cannot treat the ten year old guy yeah. as the sixteen. The sixteen, he's more conscious about how difficult it is, and so maybe he listens to you in a different way, uh, but he listens to you when you're when you're talking, and then the the ten or eleven year old guy it was I think I, they gave me more than what I could gave them right okay. because I was I was remembering when I was really small and playing and, and having this I don't know um, a dream right this passion for the sport uh, that the other guys they do have but it's more it, it's turning it's that age where where tennis is turning the passion to a job, right? And it's difficult. And it's and it's and and that's where you accept 
that you want to become a tennis player and you want you have to work for it. And and when you're 11, 12, 10, it is different. It is different. So I I hope I could help them all, but of course I think the biggest, you know, the for me it was very very nice to 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 stand sometimes with the with the little ones. Yes. Yeah. It's great for them to be around somebody who's been there on court with them. Hip, even hit balls alone is enough. Like, it's just amazing. And not only for them, but anybody of any age, I think it's great to be with a professional player on court and hit balls because so many people haven't even seen professional players play live. And when they do, they're just amazed. It's just like, how do they do that? And that's always the thing I hear. But uh, you have the obviously you're from Spain, there's the Spanish system is quite famous where they work players pretty hard. And are you for that system or against that system? Well, you, I, I'm for this, that system 100%. I'm just um, against staying in that system and the other things are not the good ones, right? Are, are bad. No. I think you have to adapt that system to the new tennis I, I think um, it has adapted because I remember it was always close stance. Now, uh, when Bruguera came, it was open stance. Um, so it has been adapting when when Moya started, then Spanish tennis players could play on hardcore when they couldn't. But the base, the base is consistency, right? The base, the system is based in consistency and mental and physical toughness. And that's something that we cannot, you know, the base has to still be there. But of course, adapt because now um, the, 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 the points are shorter. Um, you, you don't have so many rallies. You play faster. So you have to adapt, right? But the base, I think, is the right one. And and I prefer that rather than you know to to to, to know where the zones or where where to where to hit the ball. I think that's that's pretty good. I think it, that if you have that base, you're going to win a lot of matches. I would say so. Yes. And did Alcraz? You know, he plays a more explosive, fast game. It, did he traditionally? What system did he come through? Like basically the same. I think I think as I said I think he he's he has based basically tennis in Spanish methodology but of course having Juan Carlos having his dad as well he he started with his dad so um I think the evolution of tennis makes them work in different things but the base is still is I think it's still consistency and actually sometimes that because Villela, he's, he's uh, like the academy, Juan Carlos Academy is not far away from here. And, and I've been going there sometimes when, when I was still playing. And, and, and lots of, of drills and lots of, of exercises that we were making, they were based in, in, in consistency. And then afterwards, you, I think, that's the way I think, you have to, to add different things but be, to build your game, right? And that's what yeah. they make. It's a bit like a cake, isn't it? You need the you need the strong. 
you need the main ingredients and then you can add in all the tasty stuff on top. Exactly. Uh, going back to when we spoke last week, you mentioned 2018 for you was a very proud year where you'd been injured for a long time. And I think you are the the lowest ranked player to win an ATP tournament, yeah. I think, or second. You were Leighton. There's something about Leighton you as well. I'm not sure exactly, but I think it could be you. So tell us about how 2018 was such a special year for you. Well, I was the, the lowest ranked player, that's right. But the reality is that I had already been top 100 players. Yes. I was, I was coming back, back from an injury. Um, so that's why I think after Hewitt, when he was 16 or something like that. Uh, so 2018 was a very special year for me because um, I had been two years and a half with no tennis, trying all different kinds of things for my elbow to heal. Just wait there. Just wait there. No tennis at all. Like you did not play tennis. No, I with no competitive tennis. Okay, okay. okay. I was trying and once I, I started, then it was hurting once again. So I was not 100%. So I couldn't, you know, I couldn't play back to back tournaments. No. And it was every time I served, it hurt. Uh, three surgeries. So, you know, coming back in 2018, giving my 100% and being able to win a, an ATP Tour event, it was like the perfect dream. And it all came because, because I, I think, uh, I think it all, it, it all came because I was working and giving my 100% during those two years and a half, right? I was in everything what the doctors and the physicians were telling me, I was... Um, you know, giving all, right? Trying to um, to tell to tell myself, I want to give it all, not to tell me after you should have done this, right? So it was very special, you know, no points at all, and finishing top hundred. I I think it was. Now I'm looking back. I think it's something amazing and really, really, really special. Really special. Yeah, it, it's absolutely unbelievable. And what do you tell yourself in those two and a half years mentally to, I need to keep going? I know you're doing everything you can, but how tough is it mentally and how do you keep yourself showing up every morning? It's difficult. It, I mean, you know, I, I I think it changed a little bit. In 2017, I, I spoke to my wife and told her, listen, this is my third surgery. If this one is good, then we keep going. Otherwise, I think I'm done. Right? I I had a good career. It's it's a pity. It's it's a pity that that I haven't been able to you know to to finish my career the right way. But it has been a good career. Uh, and then my 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 kid was born. And something in my mind, in a way, made me relativize things, right? Say, listen, this is tennis. It's a game. Just, you know, if it happens, it's okay. Otherwise, there's life out there. Uh, so that, I think, it helped me a lot. But I was, as I told you before, you know, I was telling myself, telling to myself every morning, Pablo, you have to keep doing this, keep doing that, keep doing that. And working on this, working on that, working on that, because that's what the physios are telling you. What's the, the the physical trainer is telling you? 
and the, the and the doctor is telling you. So to yourself, you know, you cannot tell afterwards to yourself. You should have done that. So that that was my only mentality at that time. It requires a lot of mental strength to keep going, even though you we all can tell ourselves to do things, but to actually physically do it is the hard part. We all know the good advice, but to actually do it, it requires a lot of persistence. A hundred percent. And that's something I think tennis has given me lots of that education, of course, my parents as well, but but tennis gives you mental strength, right? And and then to keep pushing and to keep working for your dreams. And and that was what I did. And you four kids. Yes. How was how was life like obviously you're good 2018, you're happy with that then, 19, 20, 21, the kids, second, third. How was how did traveling become when you have kids at home saying, Daddy, please don't go? Yes. I remember once when I had to go to Australia after two months uh, being with them uh, on a daily basis. Um, and it was tough because I remember I was taking the taxi to the airport and, and I was watching the kids in the window like crying and saying, no, I don't, we don't want you to go. Uh, and then I told, I said to myself, okay, that's when you, when you realize you're leaving behind the most important thing of your life. And that's when you start realizing that probably it's time to finish your career. So in a way, every week and every month that was going on during that period of time, and I'm talking about 2020, 2021, I was thinking to myself, okay, let's see what next season, how the next season goes, but is it, I don't succeed, I'm done. And in 2022, I realized I had a, another another problem uh, before going to US Open. I had some points there to defend. I had made third round. I couldn't defend them because I was I was injured. And then I said to myself, listen, next year is going to be the last one. And that's it. And I'll try to play three, four, five tournaments, the ones I like the most. But that I think that's the most important uh, moment where you realize that, uh, you know, uh, you have a family, I'm, 30, I'm turning 38 in, a, in one month, and I think it was enough. Yeah, I say, I can imagine how hard it is, you know, when especially, maybe you could travel with one kid, you could probably travel with, but when you have two, three, four, it's probably, it's impossible. <laughs> it's tough work for your wife. You know, I told my wife, because as I told you, the, 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 the youngest was born, the, the, sorry, the, the, the oldest was born, in 2018, and I told him, I told her, bring the kid because we we I don't know if I'm going, I'm coming back to Australia yeah. uh, anymore. And and he and she brought the uh, Pablo, the oldest one. Yeah, oh, that's that's amazing. Well, now you've plenty of time to spend with them, which is amazing. You know, you're not like a regular nine to five per not 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 nine to five, but when you're an office worker or something where you don't see your kids all day, you might, they're at play school. So it must be such a privilege to be able to see your kids as often as you do, I'm sure. A hundred percent. And that's thanks to tennis, right? Uh, to manage, I'm able to manage my time and try to do all the stuff that I have to do. I'll, I'll do it until five o'clock and then from five till nine, I'm with them four hours, a hundred percent focus on them. So yes, yes, I'm, I'm, you know, I'm a privilege. Yeah. 
Yeah, nice. And so we're going to quickly jump on to Rafa, Novak and Federer here. First of all, Novak, you told a funny story last week when you won the matches playing Novak and you gave us your, your game plan on how to beat Novak, which is quite funny. Tell us how, what's going through your head when you're trading shots with Novak? I mean, listen, you, you, so you, you go to the match, right? You talk to your coach. Okay, this is the game plan for today. And then you go, okay, he's got better forehand than me, better backhand than me, better volley, better serve, better return. So, I mean, there's nothing I can do, right? So let's pray and then hope that the, the guy has a bad day and that I have an amazing day to have some option, right? To win. Yeah. So, you know, against him, you start playing your match, you see that the guy is beating you everywhere. So the only thing I can do is try to destroy the game. But the, you need to, to, to destroy the game, you need the weapons, right? The, the right weapons. And sometimes you don't have them. Depending on, I mean, I, I, I don't have a great serve, so I cannot go full power in with the first and the second because I'm going to double salt all the time. And even like that, I will make it a free point with my serve. So, and that's, that's where you realize how good he is, right? Um, he's the best, I think, right now for sure. And, and he, he, he has been able to succeed during so many times, right? The same thing as Rafa and Federer, so many times being the best. So that's something that I respect. Was there a time where he, you went out thinking today's the day and you got a nice bagel? Yes, that's, that was in the fourth round in Indian Wells once. Uh, yeah, so 6-0, you know, I was, I beat a couple of good guys, you know, I'm playing great. Fourth round in Indian Wells, okay, let's go, center court. And that's when, okay, first <laughs> Six zero Djokovic, and then you go. Okay, I probably I was not <laughs> that that great, right? So really difficult game. One zero for him, difficult game, and it was like everyone like ooh, ooh, like saying he's going to go back to Spain with a bicycle, right? So <laughs> he he I I succeeded and I made one game. Uh, so all the all the crowd went crazy, and I finished seven six up with the seven with second set. Right, he probably relaxed a little bit. I don't know. Anyway, uh, and we were in like okay, let's see, let's go. It was three two or something like that, or two one for me, and, and 15, 30 or something like that. I had that chance, and then six two, ciao. Yeah, you. you yeah. Once he go with the against me, he needed the 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 third the third engine, right? The, mm. He didn't the fifth or the seventh. He just needed the second or the third. Wow. But, you know, he he's too good. And we're going to move on to Raf in a sec. But you mentioned weapon. How important is it for junior players to you know to start working on it to know you have a weapon? Maybe not twelve or thirteen, but a bit older. Where you need a weapon in the the modern game today to cause people problems. I think you do have, of course, you you do need it, right? And I think, of course, as you mentioned in the in the new era, you need because tennis has changed. But now the problem is that they all do have weapons, 
in the for the like they have weapons everywhere. Before it was only the the guy that was playing with a good forehand or with a good serve mm. return or very good hands. But now I think they are so complete. They are moving amazing. They are playing everywhere, full power, and they and they succeed. That is really difficult. So you have to you must have weapons everywhere in every game and in every you know in every shot of your game you need you need it yes and what was your go-to shot what would people say do not hit the pablo's forehand i would say the return i think i was returning pretty well it was my my best shot was the return because i was not someone that probably i was not serving that well or i didn't have that that power from from the forehand or from the backhand so i was i tried to you know to return pretty well and did you work even harder on your returns during practice or is it something that just came naturally to you? I I I think I had when I was young, but during my career I didn't it was more natural. It was more okay. that I, I didn't actually work a lot in my return. I think it's something natural. Just yeah. When okay. you have a a, a a very good weapon, right? There's there's a part, a natural part as well. Yeah. Yeah, but sometimes they may say, like, you may have a good forehand, you work even harder on it then to make it better. And I, 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 I think you should do it, right? You have to, you have to, the, the good things, you have to improve them. But in this case, it was something like really normal to me and natural. Yeah. Nice. And moving on to Rafa, pra- Rafa's practice level, intensity, what's it like? Well, I, I was practicing once with him in Roland Garros. I played him actually in competition in Roland Garros. And, at what I, and you know, I had some chances. I actually, I was in the third set. I was, I had nine set points. It was, it was seven, five for him, six, three for him. And then five, one for him, 40 laughs. And the guy still beat me that. I mean, it's unbelievable how this mental strength that he's got, right? So, um, Yes, I mean, um, afterwards, I practiced with him once and like he beat me 6-1, 3, three love, something like that, and we, we had to feel it. But the, the way that the guy, that that guy was playing that day, I was really surprised. I didn't ever play it again against someone that played like Rafa that day. And, and it's not something that, like he does, he delivers an amazing sometimes, amazing level. Because some I feel that sometimes I think he sometimes he can be conservative when he's playing because he feels he's better than the other one. Still being conservative is better, right? But he, you know, he goes that with the that with the with the forehand on the line, full power. You you're like okay, and and so he. We did an amazing, an amazing uh, practice. Well, I did see uh, there's highlights of that match, Ron Garris match on YouTube. We had those nine set points. It's amazing. The level is amazing. Like from Bodius, where you're just absolutely smashing the ball and the ball's coming all angles. Really, really impressive. So yeah, it must be tough in those situations. What do I got to do here to win a point? And then you, you, when you're like, you you did it seven times. Even if uh, if if a set point is coming in your head, you're thinking, "I'm not gonna make it. I'm not gonna." Yeah. And that that's when you know he's beaten you. He's beaten you. Yeah. 
That's where you need a big serve, isn't it? We're just trying to get a cheap free point and get out of there. That the guy is always returning. Federer, you're 1-0 against Federer. How does that feel? Wow, that was a special one, right? I, 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 I had been around. I had been around for so long in, in, in the tour and I didn't play against Federer, right? And I was really, really, you know, I was really angry because I wanted to play like against him 100%. So I was very nervous the, the, the day before I was playing Jordan Thompson and I knew if I won, I was playing against him. So I, will, I beat him the first set and then we were 5-4 up with surf and it started raining, right? So I okay. was like thinking, now I was really, <laughs> really nervous. So finally I was able to to win that match and then play against Roger. And for me playing against him, it was already a dream came true, right? Um, and then, you know, I just played my game. Um, I was enjoying a lot. And of course, he was not, I think, he. of course, he was not playing his best match. Um, and I kept believing that I could beat, beat, beat him. But I just, I was just thinking, go point by point. Because otherwise, if you don't, if you're thinking about something else, you're going to lose for sure. Because something else meant, thinking about something else meant thinking about who you were playing against. So just yeah. play by, point by point, and actually, when you when you see the, the 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 video, you could see that I was even surprised of winning because I was just thinking, focus on match uh, like point by point, and join. So uh, yes, I was I was happy, and uh, I'm I like it was a a gift that tennis gave. Me. I wonder how many matches the big three have won by people being like that. Just a privilege to play them. Uh, I know it happened to Casper Ruud in the French Open final where Rafa destroyed him before they even went down to court. Like the match was over, but it must be like your one chance to play these guys and you're just happy to be on court and you forget about the competitiveness of the match. Like that's pretty crazy. That's exactly right. Because you, I mean, I was thinking, okay, I played Novak, I played Rafa, but I didn't play Roger and I knew his end was was early, right? It's good. It was coming pretty yeah. early i think it was co- like pre- it was close right so yeah. i was yeah it was very special for me to beat him but of course to play him and you never played andy murray i think yeah yes i did of course yes you did? yes, yes. Oh. i played him before we, we, he was practicing here in spain we played him i played him in a future event okay okay uh and then in acapulco once i played him um, yeah, and, and I, 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 I lost in three sets in Acapulco because of my elbow a little bit. I was a little bit hurt, but of course it was, yeah, I remember in Acapulco, it was the, the, the week after I played in, we, I played Nadal in, in semifinals of Rio. Yes. I was playing really well. Uh, yes, but Andy, of course, more or less, we're more or less the same age. So I, I played him pretty Pretty, yeah. pretty lo- lo- lots of times, lots of times. Sometimes tennis fans forget that you guys actually go back to your junior days. You may have played him as a 13, 14 year old, you know, 
So maybe the first time to play on tour, they've actually played 10 times before that. And yes. That's crazy. It happens with Novak and it happens to me with Rafa. Because with Novak, I played him when, I, when we were, I was 16, he was 15. And with Rafa, I think when we were 15 or something like that. Yeah. And did you know those guys were going to be, did they look good? Was there something special already about them at that age? Or were they just like, oh, okay. No, I, I mean, they were great. Rafa was great. Novak as well. They were the best. But you you don't know. I mean, you don't know they are going to, to become legends because they are not number one. They, you, you can think maybe he's going to be top 10, maybe number one. But to become legends for so long, the best in the world, I think that was something no one was was knowing it was happening. Yeah, I think Federer talks about it when he won his first Grand Slam. That's all he ever thought he'd win. And then it's like, wait, two. And then maybe the belief gets bigger and bigger and bigger. And yeah, instead of the belief going down, it goes up. Up, exactly. Yeah, yeah you're, you're yeah. right. You're right. And, and tell me today, you're competitive, uh, Pablo. Uh, how do you feed the competitive animal in you today? By you know, you're not playing competitive tennis matches. H- how do you get the enjoyment out of sport now? I I always there's so they there there has to be competition. I mean, when I play, there has to be something. Even if it's I don't know a dinner, we're playing we're we're playing for a dinner, and that's the way I I when I play with friends, I'm playing paddle sometimes. I you you Fabio, we play together. Here in Valencia, I played soccer. I play soccer as well. Uh, I play squash sometimes, and and I'm enjoying, which is the most important one. But of course, playing against my friends always to with with something, something on the table. Yes, nice. Yes, yeah, so competitive. Yeah, but we we must. I look forward to the next international paddle tournament that we win. Yeah, we won all the all the matches. I, I was yeah. really surprised with your level, man. So was I, so was I. But uh, last question I'm going to leave you with is just, I know we've had it in the other videos. We had it with the kids in Valencia last week. But ultimately, what advice can you give parents and juniors out there that is invaluable? One piece of advice. Listen, um, we all parents and kids have to be patient. I think we we live in a society where we want everything now. Uh, the results, we, we need them now. And when you have a kid who's 10, 11, 12, come on, like they, they have by their own to, to accept and to understand their path, right? Their own path, their own direction. And sometimes because parents or coaches want something to happen, they are putting pressure on the kid and not letting them go through their own path, right? So that's something I think um, I'm a parent now. And that's something I want. I hope I can, I can help my kid, if he wants to become a tennis player, just let him do it by his own, right? You just have to help him, but help him. Help him doesn't, doesn't you, you don't need to, to go to the court. You don't need to, you know, to make a, a calendar and to, to, to tell him you're going to play this tournament and this tournament and you lost this match because of this or because of that. No, 
you need to understand that there are kids, that tennis is a game and more for them, even more for them. It is a game, right? And when they become 18, 16, 17, then they will decide whether if they want to become a tennis player or not. And, and that's something that they have to feel, not their parents, not their coaches. And that's, I think, that's, that's a good advice, I think. Yeah, it is indeed. And if, if, they, if they say they're a bit older, they need a coach, they're a teenager, what coach would you send your kid to? Would you recommend your kid going to? No, that's not you. That's not you. <laughs> no, no, that's not me. Yes. Yeah. Of course. Uh, I'm his father. So, you know, the, the best for him. And I, I know it's, it's not an easy one to answer, but I would try to, to find someone for him that, um, that can understand the way my kid is, right? And that's the best coach. He's not the best, um, the, the guy that is, um, you know, that is, um, uh, making you learn a better forehand or um, showing a better backhand or whatever is the one that adapts to your kid the best. And that's a personality more thing, right? Yeah. The character. That's great. Yeah, I think, I think you, you, you have to focus in those ages, uh, to the character as well, because at the end of the day, you need the kid to enjoy with tennis. And the character of the coach is very important. Thank you. Pablo, thank you very much. There's plenty of good stories and advice there. I really appreciate it. If you're ever in Ireland, let me know. But uh, thank you very much. Thank you. Thank you. And Fabio, it's been a pleasure to be here with you. And thank you for having me. And whenever you want, you know where I am. So thank you. Thank you. I hope you enjoyed that chat with Pablo. He's super nice. It's just great to meet these great tennis players in person. You never really know what they're like through the TV, but he was so nice in person and full of the chats. And as you would have heard there, he was great. So thank you very much. And that's it for 2023. I'll be back in a few weeks time to kick things off for 2024. Thank you. Merry Christmas. Happy New Year. Enjoy time with your family. Thank you for all the listens. Goodbye. Goodbye.